You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The mystery is deepening around Surrey's latest murder victim. Today, I had revealed a man shot dead in a parked vehicle last week is not known to them, nor believed to be connected to the Lower Mainland gang conflict. Our Julie Nolan is live in Surrey tonight and joins us with more on what we've been learning about the victim. Julie? Sophie Ihid has now identified the victim in that shooting here in Grandview Heights as Aaron Alexander Smith. Here is a photo of the 38-year-old. Global News has been told by his friends that he grew up in Surrey and attended Johnson Heights Secondary and graduated in 2002. We are told he was a family man with two teenagers and he worked as a welder. He lived in Alberta for a few years but returned to the area. Smith had been shot while sitting in a parked vehicle on March 13th near 168th Street and 22nd Avenue just before 8 o'clock that night. What's bizarre about the latest information from IHID is that he was not on police radar and has no known ties to the ongoing gang disputes here in the Lower Mainland. IHIT was not available for an interview on this case and we cannot confirm whether he was the intended target of this killing. As well, they released a photo of a Penske Ford Transit van saying they learned the suspect was seen fleeing the area in a vehicle like this. Investigators are now asking for dash cam or security cam footage as well as any witnesses to contact them through the IHIT information line. Back to you. All right, thanks for that. Julie Nolan reporting for us tonight in Surrey. Victoria's police chief is calling out the city's new council over the decision to cut funding for a program he says keeps the capital's downtown safer. Kylie Stanton reports. For staff at downtown bars and pubs, taking orders is enough to manage. So when disorder is thrown into the mix, they leave it to the professionals. It creates such a, a wonderful level of comfort for everybody to, to see the police downtown all the time. But the city of Victoria's decision to cut the budget for the late night police task force that funds four officers to patrol the downtown core on Friday and Saturday nights has left the program hanging in the balance. I can't even imagine what, what it would be like. Uh, this is not an optional resource. This is a must-have. The program is paid for out of the city's budget. In an effort to bring down the proposed tax increase, several items were put before mayor and council to consider. And one of them included a 220000 cut to the business and community relations budget. And we had not realized that $220,000 referred to money that was being spent by police for the late-night program. Yet still, they voted to cut it. We are hoping that they will have some sober second thought on that decision uh, and that they will decide to reinstate it. The return on investment is off the charts. The police chief appeared before Victoria and Esquimalt Police Board Tuesday night making a plea for direction. It was recommended he return to council to request the funding be reinstated. But the city says it's been clear with VicPD that the program was likely to end and any staff costs should be included in the core police budget. In a statement saying it's disappointing they were unable or unwilling to account for this small item in their nearly $70 million budget. This was brought to me at the 11th hour. Uh, I cannot now add this 
into my 2023 budget, which the city of Victoria and the township of Esquimalt is already looking to cut. Well, guys, let's wrap up. Still, at least two councillors have confirmed they plan to put forward a motion to revisit the decision at its April 6th meeting. In the meantime, Victoria Police is trying to keep the program going out of its own pocket. Staff working here have more than enough on their plate. To pull that back, uh, it's like pulling the rug out underneath our feet. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. In June of last year, Victoria Police released the results of a survey showing just how bad the situation had become in the downtown core. 79% of the 1,300 or so people who answered said they don't feel safe at night. 37% said they don't even feel safe during the day. More than half said their perception of crime within the city increased, while about a quarter said they had been a victim of crime sometime in the past five years. Well, the latest numbers from Statistics Canada show the COVID-19 pandemic has continued to spark an increase in hate crimes. As Amadagahi reports, the statistics serve as a grim reminder that intolerance is still a major problem in this country. Brought the coronavirus in this country and you're the stories have been heard over and over again, sometimes even documented. Fuck you, fuck your fucking Chinese mother. And now the numbers back it up. Hate crimes continue to be a significant problem in this country, and its victims are targeted because of their race, religion, and sexual orientation. I don't want this. According to Stats Canada figures, hate crimes reported to police spiked by 27% from the first to the second year of the pandemic. And when compared to the year before COVID-19, hate crimes had jumped by 72% in 2021. The same year, hate crimes targeting religion saw the largest increase. It's really deeply unfortunate. These are not lists that anybody wants to be on the top of. Among those targeted due to religion, the Jewish community suffered the highest number of police reported hate crimes in 2021, something its members say was exacerbated by the pandemic, especially during a time when religious symbols were often misappropriated and vaccine mandates were falsely compared to the Holocaust. In the Jewish community, we have become more and more active in being really vocal about what we're experiencing. It doesn't help if somebody just wipes the graffiti off of their, their home and just says, I don't want to make trouble, you know? Make trouble around this. This is good. This is the good kind of trouble. I was just going for a drive and in the middle of, in the middle of an intersection, uh, the car next to me called me a racial slur and even like threw garbage at me and then sped off. After this incident, Stephen No has gone through significant attempts to combat anti-Asian hate in BC and sadly says he's found barriers still in place when reporting and prosecuting hate crimes. Like the numbers show this is a problem. We need to have actual action take place by government. We, we can't let it sit and let it hide in the sand anymore. Imadagahi, Global News. Also troubling, Stats Canada says only about one in five, 22% of hate crimes resulted in charges or the recommendation of charges. 69% were not cleared, meaning police had not identified the person responsible. The remaining 9% ended with a warning or a caution to the offender or the victim requesting that no further action be taken against the accused person. 
Canada's population grew by more than one million people for the first time ever last year. According to Statistics Canada, 2022 saw a 2.7% annual population growth rate, Canada's highest since the 50s. The agency says the increase was partially due to government efforts to recruit migrants in the country to help ease labour shortages, with international migration accounting for almost 96% of the population growth. However, the agency says the surge in immigration could pose challenges for some regions that are struggling with housing, infrastructure and transportation issues. A potential game-changer in B.C. politics, MLA John Rustad is announcing his campaign for the leadership of the Conservative Party. Keith Baldry joins us now with more on why this might be bad news for the B.C. Liberals. Keith? Yeah, we're talking about the proverbial specter of vote splitting on the centre-right. Should Rustad take the helm as the leader of the B.C. Conservatives? Uh, he brings a couple things to the table. He's been elected and re-elected. He's got some profile. The Conservatives have lacked that for decades. Uh, if he does win the leadership, and he likely will, it does change the dynamic in terms of the voting electorate. When it comes to uh, vote splitting, take a look at the 2020 election in four ridings in B.C. The NDP scored historic breakthroughs in these ridings. Abbotsford Mission, Chilliwack, Langley East, and Vernon. In Monashi. They've never won there before. The B.C. Conservative vote there is interesting. If those B.C. Conservative votes had disappeared, if they didn't have candidates there, conceivably, almost all those votes would have gone to the B.C. Liberals. That would have ensured the B.C. Liberals would hang on to those four ridings. Also, the Liberals barely won four other ridings by very small margins in that election in Fraser, Nicola, Kamloops, North Thompson, Skeena, and Surrey, White Rock, where the margin there was just 224 votes. Again, if the Conservatives start to field candidates in these ridings, and I think there's every reason to think that they will with John Rustad as the leader, as an elected a guy who's been elected a number of times. That pre presents a potential threat to the B.C. Liberals' tenuous hold on those ridings. The Conservatives scored about 3,000 votes in those four other ridings that the NDP won. You can just see the margin there. If the Conservatives ran candidates in those other four ridings that the Liberals barely won, they'd probably get several thousand votes as well, and that could be the difference between the Liberals hanging onto those seats and the NDP winning them. So again, we've seen vote splits before mm -hmm. in B.C. history, notably in 1996 when the NDP had fewer votes but had more ridings because of the vote split. The Liberals have to be a little worried about this. Okay, we'll see how it progresses. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry reporting tonight. Parking in Vancouver isn't cheap, but this might sound a bit extreme. I went in, I went out, I got a bill for, or a ticket for $3,000. A Vancouver man's expensive experience at the City Square Parkade, next on the News Hour. I'm a little scared. They say art is in the eye of the beholder, and this sneaky spider definitely got some mixed reviews. Why the city of Vancouver says it's coming down later. Plus... I can look around the room, and every time I see something, I, I know when I made it, and I know when I designed it. A life's work up for auction. Details on the blockbuster movie props you can take home coming up tonight on the news hour right now though many of us have been hit with a parking ticket at least once or twice in our lives but nothing like the one a vancouver man is trying to fight sarah mcdonald explains why he was issued a fine in the thousands what started as a regular day for philip postrahovsky earlier this month quickly hit a very expensive roadblock i went in i went out I got a bill for, or a ticket for $3,000. Posterhofsky had his two young children in his car as he tried to enter this parkade at City Square Mall in Vancouver. We entered the parkade and it was already broken. Uh, there was a car in front of us, 
Cars started to back up behind us. Nobody was coming. My son had to go to the bathrooms. But he says when the gate arm wouldn't lift and nobody answered a call for assistance, he was forced to take matters into his own hands, quite literally. Got out of the car and tried to lift the gate because I needed to get through. It didn't go up. Got back into my car. Eventually security came, had the gate opened up, and we all went through. I thought that was the end of it, and apparently it wasn't. That's because the company with jurisdiction over the parkade, Precise Park Link, claims Postrohovsky damaged the equipment that, according to him, already wasn't working properly and seemed to be operating just fine after the fact, slapping a nearly $3,000 ticket for repairs for what the company claims was vandalism, giving Postrohovsky less than three weeks to pay up or be passed on to a collections agency. I'm not sure what planet they live on, but nobody, even if they could pay it, is going to be able to pay that quick, right? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Precise Parklink tells Global News it has video footage of the incident, but the company won't share it. As for this father of two now staring down a four-figure fine. It does seem quite convenient that uh, equipment that was already, like, having issues, then I get a bill for it. He says he'll fight it refusing to be on the hook for what he says is equipment that was already defective. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Chilliwack RCMP is asking for the public's help to identify a suspect believed to be responsible for several ATM thefts. It happened more than a year ago, four incidents in July of 2021 in the Upper Fraser Valley involving a woman pretending to be a janitor. Police say each time she allegedly stole large amounts of cash from the ATMs. She was spotted on video carrying a backpack-style vacuum cleaner. Surveillance footage also identified a dark-colored pickup truck that may be, uh, may be connected to the crimes. Kamloops RCMP say a missing persons investigation is now being treated as a homicide. Police say the body of a woman tentatively identified as 57-year-old Joanna Donovan has been located. She was last seen at her home March 13th. An autopsy is being done to confirm her identity. RCMP say there is no risk to the public. If you have any information or may have seen Donovan and her grey Chevy Impala around March 13th, you're asked to call Kamloops RCMP. Up next, trying to heal from intergenerational pain. A place where people can feel embraced and safe. The first big step toward a special centre for those impacted by residential schools. Also ahead, an historic land deal in the Okanagan and how it could set the stage for future settlements. After a very busy afternoon commute, traffic has finally eased off both ways at the Arthur Lang Bridge, with just some minor delays at the north end. BCAA member, lucky you, BCAA members save three cents per liter off fuel at Shell. Conditions apply. Visit shell.ca slash BCAA. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. A first-of-its-kind federal payment to an Okanagan First Nation could mark a turning point in the way the Canadian government handles land claims across the country. Ottawa is giving a $30 million advance payment to the Okanagan Indian Band, which the band says will cover the cost of buying back a piece of reserve land. The money is an advance on an expected land claim settlement. This will be a very expensive claim to resolve uh, with good reason because there was a lot of harm that occurred in dispossessing uh, these people from, from their lands. It was not rightly done and the federal government has to account for that. 
what's the value of that for uh, some of the foods that we used to consume or some of the medicines we used to use or some of the others is just being able to go go onto these places and uh, you know conduct our culture and our spirituality you know those are you know natural capital that goes beyond a monetary value the federal minister says Canada is planning to make this type of advanced payment on claims part of its regular practice as it works with First Nations across the country. Ottawa is investing millions to help build a new healing centre on Tecumloops to Shwepmuk land. As Catherine Urquhart reports, the new building will be designed to help a nation recover from the trauma of residential schools. Kamloops Indian Residential School opened in 1890 and thousands of Indigenous children were forced to attend until it closed in 1978. Abuses suffered there were devastating, and grief was further compounded when 215 suspected unmarked graves were found at the site in 2021. Now, Ottawa has announced $12.5 million to help build a healing centre into Kamloops to Schwepmek. This announcement of a healing house will provide a culturally safe and relevant support, along with the capacity to contribute to the current and future well-being of our people. The federal funding was first promised in 2021, part of $100 million announced to help communities address buildings and sites associated with residential schools. It's an acknowledgement by the federal government that we have an important, important amend to make, that nothing that we do will ever make up for generations of hurt people. It's a heavy project. The more we get into it, the more, more opening we're going to find, the more hurt. An architect is already working on the Healing Centre project with an opening date still to be determined. It is going to be in a safe place um, that has been identified that is going to be away from the residential school. It is also going to be non-colonialistic. Funds will also be used to preserve the former residential school building after the community voted to maintain it as a reminder of historical wrongs. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Coming up, playing catch-up on postponed surgeries. Between two surgeries, I've had three cancellations already. The push to clear BC's pandemic backlog. Also ahead, Joe Biden touches down in Canada. What's on the agenda for the presidential visit? Good evening. Traffic is steady both ways at the Patello Bridge right now, but a reminder to expect delays northbound for construction in the right lane from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Through a charitable partnership between Kermat Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermat Collision and Autoglass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Center. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center. U.S. President Joe Biden has touched down on Canadian soil, kicking off a whirlwind 27-hour visit to our nation's capital. Air Force One landed in Ottawa this afternoon. The President and First Lady Jill Biden on board. They're off to Rideau Cottage for an evening event with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Tomorrow, Biden and Trudeau will meet one-on-one -on -one before the President addresses Parliament. And there is plenty on the agenda for the two leaders, including immigration and the crisis in Haiti. 
Election interference by the Chinese government was the major topic on Parliament Hill yesterday. After Global News reported, Toronto area MP Han Dong spoke with a top Chinese diplomat about the case of the two Michaels, but didn't tell the Prime Minister's office about the conversation. Mackenzie Gray has the details from Ottawa on the fallout from the conversation. In a surprise late-night speech, Han Dong announced in the House of Commons that he was leaving the Liberal caucus. Sitting the government caucus is a privilege, and my presence there may be seen by some as a conflict of duty. Dong's departure from the Liberals comes after Global News reported that in February 2021, Dong had a conversation with the Chinese Consul General in Toronto, where he allegedly said Beijing should hold off on immediately releasing Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor because it would be politically beneficial for the Conservative Party, according to two independent national security sources. Dong admitted there was a discussion with the high-ranking Chinese diplomat, but says he advocated for the two Michaels' release. Media reports today quoting unverified and anonymous sources have attacked my reputation and call into questions my loyalty to Canada. Let me be clear, what has been reported is false. The Prime Minister's office says they were not aware of the conversation between Dong and the Chinese Consul General when it happened in February 2021. The PMO learned about it from Dong only after Global News reached out for comment on the story. At the end of Dong's speech, he got emotional, thanking his family. To my wife, Sophie, and my kids, I love you. I thank you for all the support and love you give me. The truth will protect us. Our honor and our family will get through this together. Sorry about the house. Thank you, Speaker. Fellow MPs reacting to Dong's resignation. Do you think Han Dong did the right thing in English, please? Yes, I think he did the right thing. Uh, Mr. Dong has stepped away from caucus to become an independent. We'll, he claims that that is false and we'll, we'll, we'll give him a chance to prove it. The Prime Minister is not scheduled to speak today with the media as he prepares to welcome U.S. President Joe Biden to Ottawa. But Trudeau is expected to speak tomorrow where he'll likely make his first comments on Dong leaving the Liberal caucus. Mackenzie Gray, Global News, Ottawa. A new report says hospitals across the country are struggling to catch up to a backlog of surgeries that ballooned during the pandemic. COVID-19 stretched hospital resources thin and forced the cancellation of tens of thousands of procedures. As Jasmine Baller reports, B.C. is doing better than other provinces, but that's small consolation to patients who are still waiting. Haley McIntyre is on the clock and time is ticking, not only for her job, but a more pressing issue. Between two surgeries, I've had three cancellations already. McIntyre was scheduled for a polypectomy in December, but it was cancelled twice before she got in for an appointment. After I did have the surgery in January, um, they had called in February and said, you know, what we removed could become cancerous and we have to get you in for a full hysterectomy within like six to seven weeks at most. But that appointment was also cancelled, rescheduled for April instead. And she's not alone in this, according to a new report by the Canadian Institute for Health Information. And this is a result of those public health measures and closures at the beginning of the pandemic, the ongoing waves of the pandemic, and now the staffing shortages that we see. Over the pandemic, we saw 78,000 fewer surgeries in BC. That's down 7% from 2019 levels. 
So we've got this accumulated backlog across the country. You can't grow a nurse or a doctor overnight. So it is going to take a little bit of time for us to get out of this tough situation that we're in. In March 2020, we were seeing 28% fewer surgeries compared to the same time in 2019. After June, we started to get closer to pre-pandemic levels, several months even surpassing it as the province played catch-up. But in July 2022, a drop that kept going. In September last year, we saw nearly 25,000 fewer surgeries, according to preliminary data. But compared to the rest of the country, B.C. is still ahead of the curve. We've increased our capacity. We've done more surgeries in the pandemic than we did before, significantly more. Working through that backlog will take some more time as McIntyre counts down the days. You know, I'm kind of at the point where it's just like fingers crossed. Holding on to a sliver of hope, her new surgery appointment won't be cancelled again. Jasmine Bala, Global News. Just ahead on the news hour, spider sculpture. I think that's just spiders. Yes, <laughs> but I'm not going down there. The street art that has arachnophobes reaching for the raid. Plus, get out of city, get some fun. A day on the mountain. Ukrainians new to Canada won't soon forget. Global BC is proud to partner with the 2023 BC Winter Games. Join Global News March 23rd to 26th for daily coverage from Vernon. The 2023 BC Winter Games in partnership with Global BC. From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. Well, Ukrainian refugees got an Okanagan winter experience today, tubing at Big White. As Kimberly Davidson reports, it's not just fun, it's a mental break for the newcomers who face so much trauma over the past year. Go, go, go. A perfect day for tubing at Big White. The resort teaming up with Kelowna Stands with Ukraine to offer a day of winter fun to Ukrainian refugees. We've got about 50 people down here, a mix of families and kids, and it's great to see all the smiling faces and uh, having them come up and, and understand what outdoor recreation can really look like in a big white. The families enjoying the sunshine while ripping down the hill at the tube park. I'm having fun. I'm playing with my friends and I'm skating. You need to get a f this fresh, nice air because mountains have a best air here and yeah, get out of city, get some fun. It's an event that's been in the works for months, not only as a social gathering to help newcomers meet each other, but what one Ukrainian psychologist calls a necessary mental break. She's in Kelowna for six months already, and it's first time she sees so many uh, smiling uh, faces of Ukrainians, because uh, Ukrainians uh, who arrive, they don't smile. get their mind off. Uh, many kids are traumatized after what they've been through in Ukraine. And uh, uh, their parents are happy that they're happy. Because it's not just the children who need a distraction from the continuing stress of the war at home. It's, it's really nice uh, to have some time just uh, to have fun and not think about uh, terrible things. <laughs> 
And this day is all about blue skies, soft powder, and community. It was really fun. Kimberly Davidson, Global News. And just before we get to Christy, a rare tornado has touched down in the Los Angeles area, and the twister itself was caught on camera. Take a look. Real tornado right here. It's a trash can, the trash cans. This video was recorded in an industrial area of Montebello, a city about 12 kilometers east of downtown L.A. The tornado sent debris flying. More than a dozen buildings were damaged, some of them so severely they can't be used. One person was hurt, but their injuries are said to be minor. On average, California records fewer than 10 twisters per year. All right, well... It's a good way to get into Christy. Uh, no twisters here, but some beautiful lights. Wow, that's gorgeous, Christy. Yeah, so amazing. And you know, this um, solar flare or aurora borealis was viewed from all corners of our province, which is really nice. Thank you to everyone who shared photos with us. But this one's actually rare, Sophie, because a lot of these images aren't just showing sort of the typical greens and, and reds that we see. They're showing a lot of pinks and purples, which indicates, according to my research, that it was a very strong solar flare or there was strong solar activity. So have a look at some of these imagery. I mean, you can certainly st still see some green but a lot of it is that pink and purple, and that was viewed right across the province. Now, today, uh, we do still have the potential of viewing the, uh, the aurora tonight, so if you have a break in the sky, make sure you get out there and have a look. Likely won't be the case across the south coast area. We're seeing significant rain, and it's heavy at times. We are going to get in behind this front, so it is going to be much more spotty. Maybe you'll be able to catch the aurora, but we've had some shower activity push into the interior, but not enough to dampen down the dust advisory that are still in place in various parts of the province. Now, we will see some showers in the Columbia and the Kootenai region even into tomorrow, but you can see how spotty it is. It's just the southern areas that have the best chance of it. And temperatures will be cold enough. We're talking about snow on the local mountains and on the, uh, any of the mountain passes. So make sure you're aware we are expecting snowfall uh, anywhere east of Hope and likely up towards Whistler as well. Very spotty conditions indeed. Tomorrow we'll see breaks of blue sky. Certainly cooler, though, similar to what we saw today. Highs will range from 8 to 9 degrees. Again, we do have a slight chance of some wet snow over higher elevations tonight and again tomorrow night with this instability and cooler air mass in place. But overall, we will catch a bit of sunshine. It won't be as gray as what we saw today. Best chance of showers for our region will be on Saturday before it clears out over the weekend and it looks like we warm up as the kids head back to school. Tough, tough timing for the kids. But one more shot of the Aurora, this one from Shelter Bay. Thank you to Janet for sharing that with us. Sophie. All right. Thanks, Christy. A warning now for those viewers who are afraid of spiders. You might want to close your eyes for this next story. The city of Vancouver is working to determine the best way to remove a giant spider sculpture that crawled up beside the Millennium Line last week. They say it was unsanctioned. But as Jennifer Palmer reports, not everyone, even arachnophobes, think it should go. A steady flow of traffic at Broadway and Victoria, but what some drivers and pedestrians don't know is something large is lurking below. Oh my God! It's something that has both surprise and cringe factor, and at the right angle, you can see it. What are you oh. thinking right now? Oh, that's not real, right? Okay. No, I hope not. <laughs> the enormous spider's been hanging around the overpass since mid-March, and word is getting out. I'm definitely afraid of spiders, so I thought I would test myself today. Well, how do you feel? Well, I'm a little scared. 
The artist claiming the piece, Junko Playtime, on social media calling it Phobia 2023. Time to face our fears. I used to have big phobia about spiders when I was little, but no, not anymore. But if I saw something like that up close and I thought it was real, that'd be scary. The art piece, a visual distraction for commuters on SkyTrain, but you'll need your spidey senses or you'll miss it. Junko likes to remain in the shadows and use reclaimed materials like car parts. It's not the first time the artist has buzzed by Vancouver with a creation. In 2022, Queen BX 1000 landed in South Vancouver. It was bulldozed. Now the spider's fate getting caught up in the city's web. In a statement to Global News, the city says they've received public complaints asking for the unsanctioned artwork to be removed. The city is also looking at ways to get rid of the spider while not damaging the bridge and impacting the rail line and service. But not everyone wants it gone. I don't think it's really bothering anybody. It's kind of, in my opinion, cool to look at with all the art down there. Junko Playtime has sanctioned art in Vancouver on Burrard Street for Winter Arts Fest. As for the spider, the city says the artist can reclaim it following the city's impoundment process. Probably not the type of reclaiming the artist had in mind. Jennifer Palma, Global News. I just flushed down the toilet. I am, well, good luck flushing that down the toilet. <laughs> what kind of toilet do you got? <laughs> Definitely. I'm surprised you kept your eyes open through that whole story. Well, I've been preparing myself all day for it. And it's not real. No, it's not real, but it looks for, like if you're just real. seeing it out of the corner of your eye, if you, you, you if, would maybe have nightmares. Yeah, I would. If you had a few too many and were riding home in the SkyTrain. Yes. Yeah. That could be quite a sight. Or if you'd been doing some other things besides alcohol. Well, whatever. For sure. Yes. Okay. Anyway. anyway no more. No more. No more arachnophobia tonight. Yeah. There better no not be anywhere in this station okay. tonight either. Here we go. Uh, we won't talk about spiders any longer. We've been uh, singing the praises, though, of Quinn Hughes this week, but we can't forget how well Elias Pedersen has been playing it, too. You know, he makes you know, everybody around him better, and that's what great players do. He truly is having a career year point-wise, and he's also, like Quinn Hughes, becoming a team leader. And coming up after Squire Sports, the huge collection of TV and movie props, including many collector's items going up for grabs. that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Connect. That's right. If, you, if you're one of those, hey, kids, get off my lawn kind of people. That... You could break out the Junko spider. Exactly. And I'm sure you'd chase a few people away <laughs> until they figured out what was going on. Squire Barnes, everyone. All right, uh, we go from talking about spiders to sharks. These sharks are not scary. The ones who are visiting Vancouver tonight to take on the Canucks as sharks have been without teeth most of this season. And lately, San Jose has been very bad. They've lost seven in a row. They've only won one of their last 13 or, if you like, two of their last 17. So this is a team that is really all in on the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. The Canucks, of course, have been better than most this month. In fact, Vancouver has the seventh best win percentage in March coming into today's action. And tonight, 
we finally get a chance to see Philip Horonic play on the Canucks blue line. Yeah, really excited. I mean, I've really, I haven't seen him a lot with the, on the ISO, but the two or three times I did, he's, he's uh, going to add a lot to his you know, puck moving ability. He's got a great shot. It actually is hockey IQ just on the offensive side, too, is, uh, is really good. The moment Bo Horvat got traded to the Islanders, the Canucks began to look to their two young stars to become more of leaders. We're talking about Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. And it looks like both of them have been quite happy to take on that role and, of course, lead by example as well. Pettersson has found a whole new gear in his game, which we already knew was at a high level. And his world-class shot has been of late at the shock and awe level. Sends it back to Hughes. Here's Pedersen with room. Elias Pedersen shoots. He scores. Like many of his wristers, Elias Pedersen's play has been top shelf in his fifth season with the Canucks. He's already got career highs in goals, assists, and points, and he's on pace to become the first Canuck to crack the 100-point mark since Daniel Sedin in 2011. But Pedersen is also proud of another stat, his plus-minus rating, which is second best on the team at plus 13. I think it's uh, play both ends of the rink, um, my two-way game, um, and I think that also been leading up to me having and scoring more points on the 5-on-5, five five, so yeah, my two-way game. I never want to take offense away from him, but he plays a diligent game in our own end too um, and that's infectious right other players see that your best players play that way and Petey's embraced that role you know he craves it of course he also craves goal scoring and many of them have come courtesy one of the best shots in hockey Pedersen says he pretty much works on his shot every day after practice and well it's obviously paying off people have seen it on, on TV or live and uh, it it gets uh, more impressive when you see it uh, live from, from up close, but uh, it's not sneaky anymore, but he's got that release where he's got the, the goalies in their heels for sure. Short-handed with Pedersen, scores! Amazingly, Pedersen has as many short-handed goals this year as he does power play goals, four. The reason being teams are keying on him on power plays. But the Canucks have showed Pedersen video of players like Sidney Crosby who move around and give different looks all in the hopes of getting those power play numbers up. They're all about teaching and helping us, which is awesome. I'm just all ears. Uh, we have discussions of what, what I think, what he thinks, and uh, we come up with, uh, usually come up with solutions. Pedersen's just starting to hit those peak years. He'll be 25 this November, meaning the Canucks are expecting even more from their star Swede in the years to come. You know, he makes you know, everybody around him better. And that's what great players do. And, and the one thing with him, he wants to win. There's another level there. You know, he wants to get up in the the Connor McDavid's, those type of that, that category. And um, you know, he's pushing himself. He's pointing right at you, Sophie. <laughs> do you see that shot? Hi. Uh, the uh, Canucks have given defenseman Christian Wolin a new two-year contract for seven hundred and seventy-five thousand each year, which is a twenty-five thousand dollar raise on what he makes right now. He was the Abbotsford Canucks best defenseman this season. He's played 20, make that 15 games for the Canucks. And he's actually played pretty well in Vancouver. He's not the point producer he was in the minors. Nobody expected him to be. But he hasn't hurt the Canucks. He has three assists in 15 games. Okay, match play day number two. And three BC boys in it. Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor, and Adam Svensson, who was taking on Colin Morikawa. And this hurts Svensson. Morikawa from the fairway and in. 
But Svensson played him tough and ended up having this match. A tie, in other words. But unfortunately, Svensson, Taylor, and Hadwin, all three will not be able to advance out of the first round group stage. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino at the Miami Open against number six Coco Goff. Goff was expected to win. She won the first set six to four. Gets a nice point there and Marino wishes she was in that spot, but she wasn't. Now Marino wins a point here trying to stay alive in the second set. She actually was up 3-2 at one point in the second set, but Goff, despite losing that point there, would get it together and this is match point. And as expected, Coco Goff moves on to the next round at the expense of Rebecca Marino. And there you go. All right, thank you, Squire. Up next, from X-Men to Men in Black, how you can take home a piece of Hollywood history. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you by JM Media. Visit jmmedia.ca. Jordan Armstrong standing by now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan? Sophie, the RCMP's Major Crimes Unit is now investigating the suspicious disappearance of a merit man. It's been almost four weeks since Miguel Mack was last seen. Searches using dog teams and helicopters have failed to turn up any sign of the 24-year-old. Tonight, we'll hear from Mack's family and police. That story and any breaking news on Global News at 11. Sophie? Sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. Film production is booming in the Okanagan, and Kelowna has become the site of a first in the industry where five-ton electric vehicles are being used on set. I'm the first producer in North America to be using this class of vehicle on a, on a movie of any type. Two of the Class C cube trucks are being used to shoot a Christmas movie in Kelowna and Vernon. It's a partnership between Whiskey Jack Transportation and movie company Soul Vision Productions. Film producer Gilles Laplante says there are many advantages to using EVs. Certainly the reduction in, in fuel and uh, carbon emitting fuel in particular. Um, and they have a lot of um, capabilities that um, so-called internal combustion vehicles may not. Um, you know, they're, they're quiet, uh, so we can use them at night, past curfew, uh, and they're certainly efficient. So super excited to be um, part of the, you know, change that our industry is hoping to achieve in the not-so-distant future. The EV trucks are being used on the set of a movie called Goals for Christmas, a hockey movie which will be released this winter. Well, the big auction is coming up featuring some familiar items for fans of Battlestar Galactica and X-Men. The prop designer behind some very recognizable and quirky pieces is preparing to put it all on the block. Jada Rant tells us more on This is BC. Ow. Boy, did I ever make it hard to fix. His life's work is being put up for auction. Booth Milton's unique creations are about to be sold to the highest bidder. Most of them anyways. Oh, I cherry pick one or two things that are I'm, I like. The Emily Carr grad took his art talent to the TV and film industry, designing props and set pieces, specializing in sci-fi. You got guns that were used in Battlestar Galactica. You got stuff from X-Men. You got stuff from Men in Black. 
This is a career that dates back over three and a half decades when Booth started collecting trashed pieces from junkyards and turning them into works of art. This is made completely from recycled metal. These are flashlights. This is glass hardware. This piece here, nobody would know. This is actually an offcut from uh, Kodak Labs. He even turned a pizza oven into a rocket ship. He's always had free reign to design these props his way. I didn't want to be uh, told what looks good because I thought I had a better idea. And oh, I did. And <laughs> CGI has replaced the need for a lot of this work, so these are very much collector item pieces. It's like the handmade tire from the old days. Now it's all machine operated, all machine done. done. It's not, you're not going to see this kind of art anymore. His prop career may be shelved, but there will still be different creations to come. It's impossible to completely shut off this type of creativity. Well, it's, it consumes you because I wake up four in the morning, five in the morning, and what am I thinking of? You know, my next design. I can look around the room and every time I see something, I, I know when I made it and I know when I designed it. And this is only a fraction. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. There was something in there that looked like the flux capacitor or a warp engine. Yes. Did you think so too, Christy? We, yeah, we just watched Back to the Future actually with the kids not too long ago. So that's the first thing I thought about. Or even you remember when he had the electric guitar and there was a very large, like massive um, amp, I guess it was, or it would have been oh, yeah. a speaker squire. You know more about that stuff than I do. And it, remember it blew him backwards? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Classic, classic yeah. movie. I'm glad you're showing your kids that movie. Pass it on to the next generation. Yeah. All right, that's all the time we have. Good night, all. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.